Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock, and today is Sunday, October 27th, 2019. Here's what's happening. It's just me today, and uh, what I'm thinking about, the first thing is the uh, announcement this week. It's been, there's been some major uh, political announcements and some major political happenings going on this week. And uh, I think it's uh, fair to, to take a little bit of walk through these things. And uh, uh, my belief is that uh, we are undergoing a generational change uh, in Maryland politics. And, um, you know, this next uh, state election is going to be amazingly critical. Uh, and it probably will help define um, Maryland politics for the next 30 years. So. To that, uh, the latest happenings have been first, and maybe most prominently, the uh, retirement and uh, stepping down of Maryland Senate President Mike Miller uh, from that position as uh, Senator Miller uh, continues to uh, battle cancer. Uh, and after over 30 years, um, in his position and as a uh, state senator, it was time to uh, it was time to um, turn the gavel aside. And um, this completes the uh, House the uh, leadership changes in the Maryland General Assembly this year after the passing of House Speaker Mike Bush, Delegate Adrian Jones was um, selected to become the new Speaker of the House. And uh, so, and to replace Senator Senate President Miller, uh, State Senator Bill Ferguson of Baltimore City was elected to replace him. So, what does this mean for Maryland politics? Uh, certainly, uh, because in 2020, uh, we're going to start the year with two new leaders in the chambers of the Maryland General Assembly. Uh, how is this going to change the operations of the assembly? What is this going to bring to the fore? Uh, how are they going to wield the considerable power that their offices hold? And uh, how are they going to uh, manage the various caucuses and the interests therein um, that comprise the legislature? And how is this all going to work in light of redistricting? which is going to be coming down the pike. That's going to be handled um, in, I believe, 2021. And, uh, and Governor Hogan, who, of course, is a uh, lame duck senator, uh, but another uh, announcement that came forth this week, or not really an announcement, but a lot of speculation came up that he may elect to uh, challenge Senator Chris Van Hollen when the Senator Van Hollen comes up for re-election. So uh, how are all these dynamics going to play out? Um, not a small consideration is the fact that uh, the center of power in state politics has precipitously moved towards Baltimore uh, with both uh, Speaker Jones and Senate President Ferguson. So. What does this mean, for example, for the uh, horse racing industry and the Pimlico racetrack uh, expansion? Something that, uh, and renovation, um, something that still I have not heard whether or not Governor Hogan supports. 
this would seem like a one, a pretty simple thing for him to support, and two, it would seem like a slam dunk. Uh, and uh, you know, all of you Baltimore people who think that Larry Hogan's a nice guy, um, Larry Hogan has not done a lot of good things for Baltimore City. Uh, so if he comes out and is in opposition to this, well, then Hogan will just spat on all of you uh, for your votes for him in 2014 and in 2018. Uh, looking at you, Baltimore County, especially. So um, let's see. Let's see what happens there. Um, you know, how is the uh, D.C. area going to continue to gain relevance? And what does this mean for legislators in Western Maryland and on the Eastern Shore? Um, we don't know. Um, these, uh, you know, the House committees and uh, delegations have a meeting over the summer. Uh, we know that uh, pre-filed uh, bills are an ongoing process and in the fall. And I believe our own, Howard, my own, uh, Howard County delegation is having a uh, local hearing for all of the pre-filed bills that the delegation has is submitting. Uh, that's going to go on in November. So this is the time when the 2020 General Assembly session is staged, when the major issues are lined up. And uh, when you get that first gauge as to who supports what, where the allegiances are, and where the battle lines are to be drawn. So uh, watch the skies and watch your news and watch all your outlets over the next two to three months. Because uh, my belief is that um, by the time the uh, holiday break comes in a little bit, well, in two months from now, um, we'll know uh, what the legislative session is going to look like uh, for the following 90 days from January through April. So we'll see about that. Um, personally, with respect to Senate President Miller, uh, I would like to thank him for his many years and decades of leadership. Um, I've worked with the Senate President um, as a member of the Maryland Democratic Party Executive Committee, as the uh, President of the Young Democrats of Maryland, and as a uh, Board of Directors member and chair for Maryland Student Legislature. So I've always found uh, the Senate President and his office uh, warm and engaging and friendly. Uh, and um, and, you know, very, uh, very responsive. So, um, you know, uh, Mike Miller is a man who has wielded great power in the state of Maryland. And that powerful position has now gone to uh, Senator Ferguson. Um, you know, let's see what he does with it. Um, another, another thing we have to look at is, um, you know, there are a lot of folks in Maryland, and I think the, uh, the only the highest ranking state official who calls this out is Maryland Comptroller Peter Francho. But there are a lot of people in the state of Maryland who believe the emperor has no clothes and the emperor being in the past, uh, Speaker Bush and President Miller, uh, that the two of them, um, you know, formulated a lot of uh, policy and politics in the state of Maryland, um, you know, in behind closed doors, in cabal with uh, special interest organizations in the state, 
uh, that uh, the table that they set at which policy decisions were made that affect all Marylanders was not um, thorough, diverse, or inclusive. And um, we will see what changes here. Um, one would have to think that Speaker Jones and President Ferguson will have to appeal to a broader base. Uh, you know, much political power resides in the person as much as it does in the office. And Speaker Bush and President Miller were able to yield those to wield those tools uh, quite ably. But uh, Speaker Jones and President Ferguson are not their predecessors, and uh, deals made under the predecessors no longer apply. So. What will be their governing style? What will be their leadership style? What will be um, the methods and tools that they'll use to uh, get what they want, to get their agenda through uh, the legislature? How much of their agenda will be influenced by the rank and file members? Who knows? Uh, so again, uh, this is a very fascinating time, a very interesting time to be covering Maryland politics. So uh, you want to be part of it and you want to keep keep yourself part of it. Uh, and like I said, keep watching the skies. So we handled two of the three items that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, the third item, which was actually number two on my list of notable events that happened uh, this week. Um, and I know there is one incredibly notable event that I'm not getting to yet. So I guess I should say four, um, but the, the fourth thing being um, Congressman Cummings' funeral, um, which I will speak to in a bit. But uh, in terms of things that are shaping uh, Maryland politics, um, the, uh, the decision by Baltimore Mayor Jack Young to seek office in his own right uh, to seek his own four-year term. As I mentioned a couple podcasts ago, the Democratic primary for Baltimore City Mayor is April 28th. And uh, pretty much whoever wins the Democratic primary will is assured of becoming the next mayor of Baltimore. Democrats have about an eight to one, nine to one registration advantage in Baltimore City. But this puts um, Mayor Young uh, squarely against his own city council president, Brandon Scott. So uh, is this going to be a, a referendum on two visions of Baltimore? Is this going to be a referendum between uh, the way politics has been done over the past 25 years in the city, 30 years in the city? ever since the end of the Schaefer administration? And, or, you know, or is the next generation of Baltimore leadership going to step up and take responsibility for solving the ills of Baltimore City? Um, and is the, is the current political class in Baltimore City, um, are they deemed unable by the electorate to even leave? And if there is to be a new generation of leadership in Baltimore City, will that come from amongst the current candidates who already have office? Will that not come, could that not possibly come from an outsider candidate, from somebody um, who is maybe not currently on the radar screen or maybe a very small blip? You know, is Baltimore a right 
uh, environment for a for an insurgent candidate. And I would look no further than the recent city elections in Chicago. Chicago just elected its first African-American LGBTQ mayor. Uh, and and this is a woman who came from who came from the outside. Uh, you know, is is Baltimore City ready for that type of renaissance? Ready to turn the keys over, or are the competing uh, forces in Baltimore? And I made mention in our uh, interview with Natasha Gwines uh, about a, about a, a couple weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago now may mention as to who those machines are, and there seem to be three of them. Uh, will those three machines uh, serve to suck up all the oxygen out of Baltimore City politics? Or does the space exist for a, for a new face? For, does the space exist for a fresh face? We don't know. Um, on the surface of things, it would seem to be very difficult. It would seem to be very difficult for another person from outside the currently existing political hegemony in Baltimore City to gain traction. However, we have seen this happen before. Uh, we have seen people come from the political outside before. Uh, rank, you know, uh, they seem to have a cult of certain cult of personality about them. You know, I'm thinking about people like President Trump. I'm thinking about people like. Uh, Minnesota Governor Jesse the Body Ventura, uh, you know, people who are tapping into a political culture in a jurisdiction, or in the president's case, the entire nation, where there was a certain population who was just fed up, felt like the rules were rigged against them, and just wanted to go with something new, something something that's changed, um, you know, and and. You know, one thing that, um, you know, I, I think that somebody coming in from the outside would have to do is to be an outsider with without coming across as fringe, uh, without coming across as fruit loopy, because goodness knows there are going to be plenty of Melvin Perkins type uh, candidates who are going to get into the race for Baltimore mayor. But somebody coming in from the outside has to be coming in as a reasonable insider, as somebody who has the experience and energy and desire to get what needs to be done, done. Um, you know, and, and do those people exist? Uh, who are those people? Uh, we will see. Uh, but I do believe that the field is forming. I believe that Within the next month or so, the field will solidify. Uh, the uh, filing deadline isn't until January, but I think we'll know before then uh, who the serious contenders are. Um, you know, of course, it's always fun speculation. Will some white knight come in and save the day? I even heard uh, speculation recently that Martin O'Malley may run for his old job back. Um, that would, you know, that would certainly, uh, take a lot of the air out, but, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, that, uh, former governor O'Malley, uh, likes, uh, likes having a W at the, uh, at the, uh, end of his political record. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure that him running for Baltimore mayor again is, is a, is a sure thing. 
Um, and frankly, I don't think it's a sure thing that Jack Young will get elected. Um, you know, I think Brandon Scott has some work to do. And, um, you know, I think Scott and Young are, are certainly the top two candidates at this point. So who breaks into that? Who, um, who punctures through that? Is there somebody there who can say the, the, the emperor has no clothes in Baltimore City? Who can cast a pox upon both their houses? We will see. Uh, does that person exist? Uh, I think they do, uh, but I'm not telling. Uh, but more will be revealed. So I guess also, um, you know, um, Congressman Cummings' funeral, and I'll speak to this um, as a fourth topic, um, you know, was it was, a, it was an incredible service. I had the privilege to go to Capitol Hill last Thursday evening uh, to pay my respects, and I was very glad that I had done that. Um, but I guess now that the funeral has happened, I guess now it's the um, politically uh, acceptable time to start talking about secession and uh, what will happen. So there will be a uh, special election that will happen before the primary election to fill the spot. Uh, there's a lot of speculation that uh, Congressman Cummings' widow, uh, Dr. Maya Rocky Moore Cummings, who is currently the chair of the Maryland Democratic Party, uh, that she will run for the spot. Uh, I would not be surprised to see her run for the spot at all. Uh, you may remember she briefly ran for uh, for uh, governor of Maryland and then uh, withdrew uh, from the race uh, earlier or in 2018. Um, you know she's a very experienced, uh, very bright lady, and uh, I think she would be uh, I think she would be a great um, um, congressperson for the seventh congressional district. And I would assume that if she would run in the special election, that then she would continue to run and then would also um, be seeking the office in her own right for her own term in 2020. But uh, congressional seats are in Maryland are not things that become open every day. And I would expect that there will be a number of candidates who will get into it, especially considering that for state legislators, um, it's a free shot for them. They don't have to run themselves in 2020. They can open up a federal account as opposed to a state account and fundraise uh, for federal dollars. So, um, you know, there are a lot of donors, PACs and other entities that only give to federal candidates or that uh, prefer giving to federal candidates. So it does uh, serve to expand the donor base a little bit. So I'm sure there will be a number of people jumping into it. I think if Dr. Cummings runs, it's not going to be by acclamation, but I do believe she's the very early front runner and I would say the favorite to get that spot. So um, that also, there should be more coming about this in the, in the next uh, week or so. So that brings us to the end here. And um, I've, I'm, Happy that you have joined me on this very rainy Saturday or wherever the weather is where you're listening to this fine podcast. I will be back. Um, my schedule is to uh, do two more podcasts this week. I will be doing one on Tuesday evening and one on, on Thursday evening.
So Tuesday and Thursday, uh, special Halloween night edition of Forward Maryland for the ghouls and ghosts out there, not to mention goblins. And uh, on Tuesday, I'm going to look at this thing we call Facebook. I'm going to uh, talk about things happening with the Facebook because there have been some interesting things lately. And then uh, this coming next Sunday, uh, Jason Boone's returns for another uh, for another lively discussion. Uh, we do not have a guest plan, but we will be talking about several hot button topics of the day. So until then, uh, you have been listening to Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock. Have a great day. Take care. <laughs>